Hello, welcome to Be With The Word. Uh, I am Dr. Jerry Creed. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. And this is our weekly show where we reflect on the Sunday readings from a psychological perspective, and we kind of share our different views uh, and our thoughts on these readings, and we hope that it will help you grow spiritually, And because uh, I know it has helped us too. Um, but if you haven't read the readings, you may want to go to our sister podcast, which is only audio only. You can get to it from soulsandhearts.com, and it's called Hear the Word. And there you can listen to the readings, because that's actually pretty helpful. We'll do our best to guide you, but you'll get more out of it if you've done these readings in advance. But if you haven't, I think you can still manage and hopefully get something out of it. So, well, hey, Dr. Peter, how are you doing? I am doing well. It is good to be with you, Dr. Jerry. It's good to be with all of our listeners here. I'd be with the word. I'm excited to be together again. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful weather here. So it's been it's been good. How are you it's, doing? It's great. It's great. I'm you know, we're still on shelter in place here in Georgia. And even though some things are opening up, uh, I've been very cautious and just kind of like staying put because I don't, I'm actually a hobbit by nature. So <laughs> I, I'm really quite okay with just staying in my house and not going out. Um, I did meet a few friends once and, uh, and we kept our distance, but we, I did have a little socializing, um, which has been kind of nice. I haven't, even though apparently the hair salons have opened, I have <laughs> I'm going for a full Byzantine look, like my beard. Which I could trim on my own, right. I guess. But I'm kind of enjoying seeing kind of how far it goes and how much my <laughs> wife is willing to tolerate. <laughs> to tolerate. That's right. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, when I was in graduate school, we had a power outage in the middle of winter in Ohio. And, uh, and in protest of the conditions, I grew a beard that my, uh, that my fiance at the time really hated. And I shaved it off. I snipped it and shaved it off and mailed it to her. We were living apart at the time as a gift, as a, as gift. a gift, as a gift. That I gave her my beard as a gift. Seems like an unwelcome gift. <laughs> I a think little she was on really... the passive aggressive side. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I think, I think she appreciated my beard here. I'll give it to you. <laughs> See my sacrifice. <laughs> That's why well, I was can, a little over. You can God, frame right? it. You can frame it on the wall. This is my power over Peter. Symbolized. <laughs> Never had a beard since, Doctor Jerry. Never I would love to see you with a beard. I think that yeah. would be interesting. You know, you know, my beard was very hard to manage. It was very curly. It was extremely yeah. curly and unruly and kind of ugly. <laughs> oh, well, uh, then, well, then, well, so, then, stick, really stick with that beard. Roman look. Then you've right, got right. going on. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll do that. I think I'll do that. Um, well, but yeah, uh, what have so, we got you know, going this well, week? The last, the last few. The last three Sundays, and, and the last, the last three Sundays, and then up to this Sunday, I was reflecting and really, you know, drinking in the readings and, and trying to see what was was coming up for me. And this word came up of failure of recognition, people not recognizing the risen Lord. You know that that was sort of a consistent theme. If we go back to Divine Mercy Sunday, the second Sunday after after Easter, the second Sunday of Easter, we have Thomas not believing in the risen Lord, not seeing the risen Lord, and then from there we go to the third Sunday, and we have the disciples 
on the road to Emmaus and they don't see, they don't, they see Jesus, but they don't recognize who he really is. And then in the fourth Sunday, this is last week when we were discussing uh, Palestinian shepherds, um, there was a real emphasis, you know, that the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd, right? So there we're seeing the flip side of it. We're seeing sheep recognizing the voice of the shepherd. And then in today's gospel, we also have issues of recognition coming up. And you see that thread also through the Acts of the Apostles. You see that thread in the gospel as well. So so I, I was taking a little broader view of all of these things. And I just wanted to just wanted to focus in on the psychological barriers to recognizing the risen Lord. I mean, and I'm not talking about recognizing Jesus as a as a as a person. I'm talking about also recognizing the the, the the more complete impact of who he is and who he is in relationship with us and what that means. And I'm specifically going to be talking about imagination. Like so um so just starting real briefly in the in, in Acts, the very last line is this even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So now when they're talking about priests in this context, they're talking about the Levites. They're talking about the Jewish priests, right? The priests of the sacrifice of the temple, right? Mm-hmm. So they're saying, you know, wow, look at this. Even an, even the priests, those that are steeped in the Jewish tradition, are now some a large group of them are coming over to the Christian faith. You know, so that they were recognizing who Jesus was. So this impact of recognition comes through in that first reading. Right. Yeah. But you know, what's hitting me though in Acts, and I know we're going to focus more on the gospel later, but right. what's hitting me, and I love this part because um, this is really the establishment of the diaconate with right. St. Stephen. Right. And right. the idea that they serve each other and that there was some kind of division that took place between you know, the Hebrews and the Hellenists. So there was a little discrimination was happening in terms of which widows got support. And they actually established a diaconate to be a fair and good service, right? And and, and these men had to be wise and filled with the spirit and reputable and all this because they were going to be serving in this way. And I think, honestly, what's hitting me when they're choosing Mm -hmm. these men as deacons, and it also applies to priests, but I think it applies to all of us, is right. that they're looking for holiness. So on some level, they're looking for Christ who is present in those people. Right. right? They're, and they're that, looking for Christ in the man, right? Yeah. In the man chosen to be the deacon, right? Yeah. And that's the criterion. It's it's the holiness. It's the to the degree to which that man reflects Christ. Yeah. And yeah. so these priests, like what's interesting with these Jewish priests, if they were basically converting, then right. they had to see faith in action. Because we have the long history in the Gospels of the Pharisees, you know, missing the point and uh, putting the works of the law ahead of people. And here, when Christians discover there's a discrepancy in that, they actually resolved it in a way that was righteous and fair and loving. And that must have had an influence. And these Jewish priests going, wow, these people actually care. Because it probably wasn't the erudition and the learning and the scholarship of the Galilean fishermen that won them over. You know, it mm-hmm. probably was something very 
you know, it was, it was not going to be those human qualities. It was going to be grace. Right? Right. It was going to be, it was going to be, and, and it was going to be their openness because the majority of them did it, you know, the majority of them didn't see it. Um, you know, the whole, you know, Paul's whole ministry among, among the, uh, the Jewish people was an utter failure at yeah. the, you know, and, and, and so, um, so yeah, there was a lot of resistance, you know, what is that resistance to us seeing the risen Lord? That's the whole theme of this, of this episode of be with the word that I wanted to get at. Right. But you know what? You know, okay. I know it's hitting me and hopefully this doesn't take us off too far because I feel, cause you know, I'm Canadian, right? Right. And so I'm not American yet. I might become, I'm thinking about it. I've been here for over 20 years, but I, I've ha- have a hard time like making sense. I still have a hard time making sense of American politics. Right. Um, so I don't understand the level of polarization that I experience in this country. And I'm not here to make any political statements or political judgments or espousing anything other than um, I am extremely pro-life. <laughs> and that's one issue I have a hard time with, with, with reconciling with anybody. But, but anyhow, the point I want to make is that what is the answer to me isn't I'm right and you're wrong. To me, the answer has to be what is holy and good. Mm-hmm. And I think that we get caught up in being right or taking down the other person. And so I'm really curious about these Jewish priests, honestly, because we know we've seen these guys being vilified by and large, right? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Or at least, I don't know if they're Levites or Pharisees or whatever, it's, uh, uh, what's the other, Sadducees or whatnot. But nevertheless, they, they, they've been pretty vilified as the establishment, right? Who right. only care about the law and miss the point. And here they have a conversion of heart. Mm-hmm. So what would it happen in our nation, right? If we could actually have conversions of heart where we, it was just about love and not about winning. And I well, know and that. I think it's, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be when people recognize Christ in us. Yeah. You know, I mean, that brings up this important point. Like, how do people know that we are Christians? Yeah. Do they know because we tell them or because we're, you know, doing some kind of active ministry or do they recognize the holiness? And that was the critical, that was a critical thing in the, in first, first and second century Christianity was that the holiness of Christians was recognized. It was noted even by secular Roman historians you know, that advocated, you know, that uh, they not be exterminated because it was so interesting to see how they interacted with each other. You know, right. sort of keeping them around as a kind of unique human specimens, you know, that kind of thing, because they were so different because they actually loved one another. Yeah. So that's going to be, I mean, ultimately I think it comes down to that. I, I don't know for certain, but I imagine that the priests recognized Christ in the love that the Christians had for each other. Because I going so. to, this, to this pandemic, right, Christians were the ones that would bury the dead. Christians were the ones that would tend to the sick, and not just sick Christians, but they would tend to tend to to to, to, to the people that were not Christians, that were pagans. They would go into those plague ridden, plague ridden houses and minister to them, knowing full well, right, that they were putting their lives in the line. Well, and widows, like if you were a widow, you could end up with nothing. Right. Yeah, there was no social security. There was no social security program. There was no Medicaid. There was no social services. You could die as a widow if you did not get support from your community. Absolutely. I I think, and here they were 
even they noticed an injustice for whatever reason was going on, they they felt they needed to correct it. So the Holy Spirit was filled these men. Right. And th- they had wisdom. Right. And that was apparently impressive to yeah. even someone on the outside who went, wow, these Christians are different. They're overcoming the prejudices against the Greek-speaking widows, right? Yeah. The Greek-speaking widows, the Hellenist, the Hellenist yeah. widows, right? Because they're, you know, very human to have prejudices, very human to get all tribal about this stuff, right? And uh, and uh, and then right. the correction was brought in, you know, motivated by the grace of God, by the Spirit of of the Lord. Yeah. And so that's that's so. What gets in the way? What gets in the way? You know, we. Well, wait, we, wait, wait. You're about to tell us what gets in the way, and you're about to tell us about the psychological barriers to being able <laughs> to recognize Jesus and to maybe get cl- closer to holiness. So before right. you do that, let me just okay. quick plug. I'm going to go really fast in this, but <laughs> we have all kinds of stuff going on at, at, at Souls and Hearts, and I can't even wait till the end because you may not listen to the end. But <clears throat> we, we do. Know still you. Have... We know you might just cut off the end, so we're going to tell yeah. you. Now. So really quick, I'm going to run through them. Check out SoulsandHearts.com. Check out the Be True course. It's a restoring your marriage after the discovery of pornography. If you have a pornography issue, if you're married to somebody with a pornography issue, this is the course for you. It's 25 modules. It's relational. It's a basically a marriage course, but it's also helpful for individuals struggling with pornography who want to be married. Check that out. Also check out Be Called. If you're a 20-something person interested in a Catholic ministry, interested in seminary, interested in figure out what marriage even figure out what your vocation is and you want to get your life together this is the course to you dr mark glafke leads it i'm there to help and support and interview him but he's leading it and it's an awesome course it's super cheap check out that course and then a free course a catholic's guide to find a therapist is also available it's free it's the most comprehensive course you're ever going to find on how to choose a therapist and in particular a catholic one or or one that will at least uh, meet your needs as a Catholic, and there's nothing else like it. It's totally free. Check it out. We've got tons of course material. Come to our site. All right, yep. let's hear All it, right. Doctor. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for your those patience. Psych barriers. Those psych barriers. Yeah, psychological barriers. Well, I want to talk about the figure of Thomas. I, you may not know this, Doctor Jerry, but my middle name is Thomas, and I have you t- had. You told me did, that. I think. Did I tell you that? that one. Okay. On so the show, I, have, I think. Did I see? I forget what I keep saying. So people keep mm. people tracking that. But Thomas, um, I actually think Thomas had a lot of really great human gifts. I think I think he had a lot of courage. Uh, and I was talking about this with my family. Uh, we were discussing the gospel where uh, on Divine Mercy Sunday, when Thomas was not in the was not in the room with the upper uh, the upper room with the twelve when Jesus first appeared, and he wouldn't believe. Right. And I said that I think Thomas may have been the one that was the most courageous of all the apostles because he was going out, possibly getting food, supplies, you know, running the risk of being captured. You know, he may have been like really, um, really the one that had a lot of human gifts, a lot of human qualities to be able to function more adaptively in that situation. And then my kids were nodding. And then my 10 year old son said, or maybe it was just his turn. <laughs> he was a buy it. Uh, but great. then here, but here you have Thomas in this gospel, right? Jesus, Jesus just says, um, "Where I am going, you know the way." And Thomas says to him, "Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way?" So he contradicts Christ, right? This is like something that the apostles were really frightened of, 
You know, remember, he silences them a lot. He silences the Pharisees. Nobody wants to argue with them. Here's Thomas standing right up saying, you say we know the way. We don't know the way. We don't know the way. And, he, and it shows how much desire he had to know the way. So much desire that he would contradict our Lord Jesus Christ to make sure that somehow that got communicated. And what was our Lord's response? He doesn't rebuke Thomas, right? I think it may have been a, a statement to elicit what Thomas was going to ask. I think our Lord was maybe eliciting that question from Thomas because it sets up this great classic line from our Lord where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So so Thomas is asking for like a route. He wants to know the, the map. He wants to know like how do we get from point A to point B to find you. And our Lord takes it to an entirely different dimension. And he says, I am the way. I am the route. I am the whole thing. I am, I am everything. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the whole of it all. Mm-hmm. Be in relationship with me. Right? Because remember the context. To find holiness you know, for the Jewish for the Jewish priests, for the Levites, there were all these hand-washing rituals and all these purification rituals and all these sacrifices. And it was a lot of like busyness, a lot of like activity that that occupied their attention and led them to not recognize the living God when he showed up, right? right? Because they're busy, you know, picking on him for, you know, for, you know, taking grain heads, you know, or allowing his apostles to, you know, take grain heads and not washing his hands in the proper ceremonial way, you know, when he's in Simon's house and so forth, you know, they're missing, they're missing the point, which is the relationship. And that's what, that's what our Lord tells Thomas. He Mm -hmm. says, I am the way. Right. And so then what happens? Right. He says, no one comes to the father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my father. Philip pipes up. Right. And says. Um, Master, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Hmm. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you for so long a time and you still do not know me, Philip? It's almost like, oh, you don't get it. You don't get it. I am. With the, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, right? So what is it that keeps us from recognizing who Jesus really is? Even if we know his name, even if we are doing better than Mary Magdalene did and not mistaking him for the gardener or doing better than the disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know, and recognizing that he's not a stranger, that he's actually Christ the Lord. We actually identify that put the right name with the right person. What? keeps us from recognizing like what the implications of that are. And I'm going to offer something. And that is that we have a failure of the faculty of imagination. Like we get our minds locked in to certain ruts and we don't exercise that imagination. We don't open up to possibilities that are beyond our limited vision. And so it's, it's, um, it's, um, it's imperative that we have a kind of radical openness. I mean, it, 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 that we have this radical openness, this, this, um, this, this desire to see into dimensions, to see into dimensions that are beyond our, our, mere, our mere human gaze. And, you know, to, to have some real sense of awe and wonder 
about what's happening when Jesus is risen, right? So the uh, the exercise that I'm thinking about doing, I think I'm going to do this, um, is to visualize how do we let go of the filters that, that get in front of our eyes that lead us to not be able to see Christ for who he really is. Can I, I don't, ask you, though, before you yeah. do that, I love your exercises, right? but... I want to make sure that we're, we understand what this is. What that so, is. Okay. So like, what's it like examples of what those filters are? Because I know for me, I have an opposite problem, but it's probably because I'm, you know, 20, 20 years ahead of the disciples in time. Right. Where right. actually I probably historically anyway, I think I'm, I've mostly overcome it, but historically I can relate to Jesus as God but I have trouble with God the Father. And I'm wondering whether these apostles un- had an understanding of God the Father. Right. And then Jesus shows up and gives them a whole new dimension to it that they don't quite right. get. And and I'm not right. sure whether that's my problem or not, but it probably is my problem, just in, maybe in a slightly different way than it was the right. problem. So Recognizing what, that Trinitarian, the Trinitarian nature of God, how do we actually... Right, on? because I think that for me, I've had the interesting problem where like, I relate to Jesus. I feel like I know Jesus. I feel like he loves me and I belong. But right. God is, 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 is more frightening and more far away. So it's almost like for you, Jesus isn't God. Well, he is. No, well, he I'm, is. I'm saying he is. Of course he is. But, he, but that's not as immediate his, or as aware as it is. His, his human, human side is right. more relatable. Right. Um, and I don't, right. and, but I think I've had a development in that where I've come to experience the transcendent God in a deeper way. Um, right. Whereas God, Jesus feels more imminent. He feels more present. And the transcendent God feels a little more, whoa, out there. Right. So I don't know right. if, like, and so I don't know, like, when, when Jesus, to me, when I hear this passage, I'm thinking Jesus is saying, I know you're thinking of the transcendent God and that's who you're talking about, but guess what? I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. I'm imminent. I'm not just right in heaven or I'm not just above. I'm actually present. Right. And that's the part that they have, they seem to not quite get right away. Well, it was such a, such a strange thing for there to be an embodied God. Like the whole idea that God would take on human body is like mind blowing. That's like really hard to comprehend. In fact, we, uh, Dr. Andrew Sodergren and I were talking about that in, in the um, in the Carpe Diem, uh, the, the Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem podcast that we just did last week. And that is like, that's just really hard to wrap our minds around, but it shows how much our Lord loves us and how much he wants to connect with us to make himself man and come and walk among us so that we would have a better capacity to understand. Right. And yeah. you can see the apostles struggling with that in this gospel passage. And I would argue that that struggle of how do we recognize who God really is? How do we recognize who Christ really is? How Jesus is, how Jesus is God, true God, true man. I mean, that is one of the main struggles of the Catholic life, of the Catholic, of the Catholic spiritual yeah. life. Because you know? one way I know being Byzantine Catholic and, and looking at Eastern kind of reflections on this is that their understanding of the Trinity is that on some level, Jesus or the second person is eternally uh, begotten 
right. as a way of this is God's image of himself. So Jesus is the image of the Father being eternally conveyed, right? And so, you know, and this is what Jesus can't, it's not an easy thing to explain. And Jesus is trying to literally physically reveal it in his life. And even the apostles don't fully get it. And he has to kind of really bring home the point. I, the right. Father's in me. I am the eternal reflection of of who the or the eternal begotten reflection or image of God. Right. And so there's no disunity between those two things. Right. right? Philip was very clearly trying to get you know beyond Jesus to God, and that's where Jesus was saying, "Whoa, wait up! You know, mm-hmm. here I am." You know. Right. So even though they had a tremendous amount of respect. They probably didn't have all the details of hypostatic union all worked out. <laughs> yeah, homeos- you know? homeosis or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so and and so we struggle with that. We struggle with that too. Now I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make the argument that there can be spiritual obstacles to that. There can be moral obstacles to recognizing uh, to recognizing Christ and other people around us, to recognizing Christ and within us, to recognizing our relationship with Christ. But I'm also going to, rec- to to argue that there are psychological obstacles. Yeah, what are know? those? So one <laughs> of them. So 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 I actually think there's a bunch of them, right? So if we, if you know, so we have from our Lord, right? Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. So if there are ways that we have grudges, if we have old assumptions that we're hanging on to, um, if we have, you know, if we cling to certain memories gnawing on these old bones if you will of um of resentment um if we refuse to take a providential worldview of things that have happened to us um these are all going to be like these are going to be like sheets of glass that are warped that distort how we recognize christ especially in his divinity especially in other people and so this little exercise that i have is to look at the psychological factors. And if they are psychological, there are likely to be parts that know in you that they are blocking that image of Christ, that clarity in the image of Christ. So, you know, we're not priests, we're not confessors, we're not, um, we're not giving spiritual counsel here. We're, 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 we're clinicians, we're mental health professionals. And so, I'm going to be like inviting you into a process in which parts of you are identifying the ways that they are distorting you seeing God, you seeing Christ specifically, seeing the risen Christ around you and within you, right? In the people around you and within yourself. And we don't know exactly where this is going to go. This isn't, um, this is, this is the kind of thing that I might do with some clients in therapy, but it's not specific to therapy. This is, a, this is another reflection like we do here. It's not, again, it's not therapy. None of the stuff we do on this show or in Souls and Hearts at all is therapy. Again, if this is something that sounds uh, you know, like it's not a good fit for you, by all means, feel free not to do it. It's also, the focus of this kind of an exercise is to identify those psychological obstacles. Now, working through that is a little more than we can do on a free show like this. 
Um, it, it takes, it takes some, some, uh, it take, it can take, it takes some more relational connection. Now, sometimes people do that immediately with God. I've had people come in from different kinds of exercises that I've done, particularly on the podcast, uh, that I do the coronavirus crisis carpe diem podcast that I've had all kinds of amazing experiences with some of the exercises that they've done because they've done them in relationship with God, right? So you may find that as you work through some of these, um, distortions in how you see God, that all of a sudden, boom, there's some opening up that happens there. Um, we don't know. I mean, because it's all it's all infused with grace. But if you feel inclined to do this, you're welcome to join me. Again, you know, this isn't good to do while you're driving a car, or while you're, you know, if you're out in the, uh, you know, if you're out in the, on the tractor planting acres and acres of corn, you know, let's, let's create a space for this. Um, and so I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead and, um, well, do you have any questions about it, Jerry, as I describe this to you? No, I want to want you to get All to right. it, buddy. <laughs> All right, we'll get to it. Let's get to it. All right. So I'm going to ask you just, um, just to find yourself a comfortable position, uh, where you can settle into your chair in a way that, um, allows your body to, to be a little more relaxed, um, going to just invite you to notice your breathing. We're just quieting our minds right now to be receptive to the graces God wants for us. I invite you to just breathe slowly and regularly. Letting that exhale, that letting that exhale be long. That's it. And we're going to work with, in just a minute, we're going to work with your imagination. I'm going to invite you to imagine that our Lord is standing maybe 20 feet away. But in between you and our Lord are sheets of plastic or glass that are that you can sort of see through but sort of not see through, and they warp and distort your image of our Lord. And as you just kind of notice these, I'm going to invite parts of you that may know something about how they distort seeing God how they distort seeing Jesus. These parts of you may know about your grudges. They may know about the old resentments that they cling to within you. These parts of you may know about the assumptions that really aren't true, but that they still assume are going on. And as you, as you look at these layers or these filters or these sheets 
that are warped, that are opaque, that you have trouble seeing through. I'm going to invite you to look at the labels that are on them. And you might see on those labels a word or words. You might see an image. You might have a memory. of how they came to be or of why they still seem to be important to you. I'm just wondering if as you look inside and as you're open to graces, however you imagine those coming to you, however you see those coming to you through light or warmth, What would it take to be able to give up those barriers between you and God? What do you need from Jesus to be able to let go of these filters, these distorting panes of glass? If you can be curious about why they're there and what function they seem to serve, how they seem to protect you at one time, and be open to that awareness, accepting them for right now, as they exist, right? That doesn't mean you're endorsing them or that you're agreeing with them, but just accepting that they exist, not trying to just power through them, but, but seeing what it would take to let them go. What words come to mind? that describe those pains of glass. Would people come to mind? Would experiences come to mind? As you have that openness within, would emotions come to mind? And if parts of you are afraid of encountering Jesus, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. If parts of you are afraid of how Jesus would be with you, that makes total sense given their experiences, given the way they've generalized from what they've known in their, in their experiential history, what they've what they've had to deal with within you. To be with those parts and to reassure those parts of Jesus's love and his goodness. And maybe near you, close to you, those parts might be actually able to look beyond their distortions. To look beyond those old 
ways of thinking, those old ways of feeling. Maybe they would be willing to have a sense of awe and wonder grow. A sense of imagination, of possibilities beyond what they ever imagined before about who Jesus is. So I'm going to invite you just to take a minute to listen really carefully within about what's in the way of recognizing our Lord. Just listen. And as as we come to this the end of this exercise, if you want, it might be might be helpful to just take a little pause here, maybe write down a few things that may have come up for you. And if if this didn't work for you, that's fine too. And not every exercise is going to fit every person, um, you know. But if this was really helpful to you, you know, you've got some some uh, avenues now to begin to explore in prayer with our Lord, to be able to take to Him, or maybe to take to Our Lady, if that, you know, if that's if that seems like it would be more helpful to you or to you know, the parts of you that are struggling with something uh, in relationship with our Lord. If you're in therapy with a therapist that appreciates this kind of thing, you can bring it to your therapist or to your spiritual director or to your friend, you know, that you talk about these things with if you're if you're blessed with such a friend. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you, Dr. Peter. I thought that was beautiful. And I know that I, um, I, I'm pretty comfortable with just sort of running into Jesus' arms. <laughs> so, so not a lot of barriers for you. I, I didn't feel barriers. <laughs> I mean, there's the usual, you know, kind of like I'm not good enough stuff or whatever at times, but, or self-doubt or this mm-hmm. kind of thing. But um, I do think that what was hitting me, because what I had noted in the gospel myself in the reflection was the words that Jesus says is do not let your hearts be troubled. Mm-hmm. And I know that really relates to anxiety and so on. But um, he says in my father's house, there are many dwelling places, dwelling places. Yeah. And then he says, I have prepared a place for you. So I feel very much like Jesus is taking care of us mm-hmm. and we're, we have a cozy little spot in heaven. And and I, I heard some saints say, you know, I don't need a big spot. Just give me a little little dwelling place <laughs> where I can worship God from. And you know what? That's fine. And and I felt like where I am also, uh, you may be, uh, is really this whole passage is about attachment. Is God saying, right. I want connection. You belong. This is your home. Right. This is safe. You know, and it doesn't mean the world's always going to be that externally, but, but, but with God, that is the promise. You will experience some of that in this world. 
and that will be your ultimate destination. And so, yeah, but this is this isn't where our this isn't our home, right? This veil yeah. of tears is not our home, you know. So, yeah. yeah. So to me, that's just beautiful. I mean, sometime you made me think like you might want to do like a what is it a calm place exercise? We sometimes do an EMDR right. or other things, right. and and it feels like wow, this is God making a dwelling place for us. It's like he knows the safe place. Right. You know, right. that the, the ultimate safe place for each one of us. Yep. And, and it's just beautiful to me. Ah, well, oh, are, we at, are we at the end? We're at the end. We've come a long way. So um, so thank you for, for journeying with us on this. And uh, really appreciate you guys listening and, and doing your work as well. And Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We're open oh by the way, we're opening up a new blog section which should be coming out already or soon called Journeys of the Heart. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. It's that's a little right. different than a regular blogs and they're more like getting at difficult journeys and personal journeys and but still from a spiritual and psychological element to it, but we hope you'll enjoy those too. We keep exp- Souls of Hearts just keeps on growing, I tell you. We just keep on expanding. <laughs> We've got new material coming out five days a week right now. So um, four or five days a week, every week. And with this whole pandemic thing, we've just increased our, our output. So, yeah. you know, so come check us out. There's all kinds of things here. So, Oh, and Souls if you haven't Heart. listened to it already, last week I was on Pines with Aquinas. Uh, and it was a almost three hour long interview with Matt Frad. So if you haven't heard it, it's worth it. We talk about all kinds of things, anxiety, uh, trauma, and uh, addiction, especially. And also a little bit of the history of psychology, which, you know, <laughs> which I, which is, <laughs> I think kind of, uh, kind of approached, but uh, I think, I think it's, uh, it was good. I really enjoyed uh, being interviewed with uh, Matt. So, yeah. Uh, and, so, and we welcome anybody that came and found souls and hearts through that, through that interview. It's great yeah. to have you with us. So yeah, welcome aboard. So. All right. Well, we will look forward to seeing you next week uh, on hear the word and following up on be with the word and also just bring on your comments on our YouTube show. Oh, subscribe. If you can, if you're on YouTube, subscribe, please. If you wouldn't mind, subscribe, subscribe, like, Give us some feedback. We love feedback. Yeah. Um, Let's hear their feedback. We want to know you're there. We want to meet your needs as much as best as we can. Um, so if you're liking the show, great. And if you want more of a certain something, let us know. All right. Until next time, be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. God bless. Take care. Take care. See you all. <laughs> Bye-bye.